we really have, you know, the best news that anyone could ever hear, and that we're excited to speak to them about it. And when we do, it's like, ah, you know, that that's cool. And it kind of leaves us defeated, and we're wondering what we're going to do, what we're doing wrong. But that's what we're going to talk about today, because maybe there is another way that we could talk to uh, people about the gospel that's different than the way that we've been doing, that resonates more with ge- this generation than with my generation. But before we start, let's uh, ask God to uh, bless our service. Father, thank you so much for this great news that you've given each one of us. And Lord, I know it could be frustrating and sometimes feel defeating when we share it and people just don't respond the way we would like them to respond. But Father, we know that it's only through your spirit that people are saved, that people are ushered into your kingdom. And so, Lord, we pray that uh, you would uh, give, give me the words today to communicate what you want communicated. And to realize it's really not about us, but it's about you. It's about your spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. In your son's name we pray. Amen. You know, I like showing movie clips, but one thing that I found is sometimes my movie tastes are different than your movie tastes. And a movie that I thought everybody sees and everyone likes, they're going, well, what's that movie? And so today, we're going to show a movie, a clip from The Matrix. How many of you have seen The Matrix? Okay, there's a good portion of you who may have not seen The Matrix. Now, this is one of those movies that I like, but I really don't understand um, especially at the end, you know, I go, okay, what just happened here? But, you know, just to give you um, a background of this movie, this movie is supposed to take place in the future where artificial intelligence rose to machines actually taking over the earth. And uh, the um, humans thought that, okay, if, if we could just take away their power source, that that would uh, solve their problem. So they scorch the atmosphere, and there's no more sun because it's, all it is is clouds. And so the machines no longer could rely on solar power. So they had to rely on another source of power. And if you could see this slide right here, one of the things that the... Um, no, it's not this one, but the next one. Um, the machines figured out that humans are a source of energy and power that they just converted us into batteries. And that's the way that um, they got the power, is through us. And so you can see that what they did is they created a human and genetically created humans, and then they just tap all of these kind of like wires into them. And they realized that, you know, we generate heat and electricity. And so, you know, the babies are born into this kind of like pod. And if you go to the next slide there, you'll see that there are just millions and millions of these pods as humans grow in these pods. And as as you can see, those sparks, they're generating the electricity that um, the machines need in order to survive. Now, like I said, the, um, the infants start off as, you know, infants, but then they grow and grow in these pods. But, you know, what the machines figured out, that the... Humans need a purpose. They need to live. And so what they do is this thing called the matrix, where it programs computer images into the lives of these lifeless humans so they actually think they're living 
a real life. But in reality, they're in bondage in these pots. And so with that backdrop, why don't we see this clip? And this is where Neo, the hero of the story, meets Morpheus, who's trying to show him that there's more to life than what he thinks. Well, there's more to life than this. There's more to the presentation than this. It's not working? I imagine. Okay, here we go. But right now, you're feeling a bit like Alice. Tumbling down the rabbit hole? Hmm? You could say that. I can see it in your eyes. You have the look of a man who accepts what he sees because he is expecting to wake up. Ironically, this is not far from the truth. Do you believe in fate, Neil? No. Why not? Because I don't like the idea that I'm not in control of my life. I know exactly what you mean. Let me tell you why you're here. You're here because you know something. What you know you can't explain, but you feel it. You felt it your entire life, that there's something wrong with the world. You don't know what it is, but it's there, like a splinter in your mind, driving you mad. It is this feeling that has brought you to me. Do you know what I'm talking about? The Matrix. Do you want to know what it is? The Matrix is everywhere. It is all around us. Even now, in this very room. You can see it when you look out your window or when you turn on your television. You can feel it when you go to work, when you go to church, when you pay your taxes. It is the world that has been pulled over your eyes to blind you from the truth. What truth? That you are a slave, Neo. Like everyone else, you were born into bondage. Born into a prison that you cannot smell or taste or touch. A prison for your mind. <sighs> Unfortunately, no one can be told what the Matrix is. You have to see it for yourself. This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Remember, all I'm offering is the truth, nothing more.
And the reason I showed that clip is that everything you saw is computer-generated. Okay, when Morpheus was telling, you feel something wrong when you go to work, when you go to church, when you pay that taxes, even sitting in that room, that's all computer-generated, where the matrix has implanted in Neil's mind that this is reality, when in reality, he's in one of those pods. And everything is fake, right? And so what Morpheus does is, Morpheus, even Morpheus is fake, where he's, he's a real person, but they hack into this computer system and they have computer-generated images of themselves. But Neo takes that pill, and what happens? It all of a sudden does something where it awakens him from his pod. And he wakes up out of this coma, and he looks around, and he sees that, which is the real world. And that's what Morphe was talking about. But isn't that... A bit like the kingdom of God, where because of the fall, everyone is born into slavery. Slavery to sin, slavery to death, and the God of this age. And we are slaves. And just like um, Morpheus was telling Neo, you are a slave in a room, in a cage that you can't feel, you can't touch, but you're in bondage. Just like he thought that was reality, when in reality he was really a slave. And all that was just a computer-generated image. But you know, the interesting thing is most people like Neil, who couldn't tell the difference between reality and that computer um, image or program, were like that too, where we don't even know our predicament. We don't even know that we're enslaved and that Jesus Christ came to free us from enslavement and to invite others into the freedom of living in the kingdom of God. And really, that's what Morpheus was doing. He was trying to free Neo so then they could free others who were enslaved. And that, you know, is the kingdom of God. In 2 Corinthians 4.4, the Apostle Paul says, The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers, so they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. And so... You know, when we have people growing up in our culture, they think this is what life's all about. That life's all about gaining the most toys. That life's about gaining prestige and doing better and having things and living a a, a nice, comfortable, safe, happy life. And this is what that computer image has given us. And we believe that. That's the matrix. And this is what Satan has been doing. Since the history of man, he's been blinding the minds of unbelievers. However, the good news is that Christ came to set us free from that. In 2 Corinthians 5.16, the Apostle Paul writes, So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Now, before meeting Jesus, Paul saw Jesus from a worldly point of view. You know, he thought of Jesus as a Messiah wannabe. He saw him as a heretic. He saw him as some a leader who was starting this new fad that would eventually fizzle out. But isn't that the way people see Jesus right now? Yeah, Jesus is a good person. You know, Jesus said a lot of nice things, but he's really not relative Relevant, rather, to my life right now. 
I kind of like the way my life is without Jesus. However, when Paul met Jesus, everything changed. And he says, therefore, if anyone is Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new was here. When, Jesus, when Paul met Jesus on the Damascus Road, his whole world view changed. Jesus was no longer this fad. Jesus was this person who was ushering into this kingdom to try to save not only us, but to try to transform this world into what it, God created back in the Garden of Eden. Right? Jesus was all about bringing justice to the forefront of people's minds. Jesus was not just about um, telling you, okay, you did this right, you did this wrong. Where actually Jesus came to free us from that rule so we, rule so we could live in freedom, so we could live by becoming like Jesus, where our goal was to become like Jesus, not just following rules and regulations. He, was free, he understood that he was free from slavery. And then when you take a look at the kingdom message, that's what it's all about. But once again, we have pretty much um, reduced the gospel message to just salvation, right? If you accept, the good news is that Jesus died for your sins and that if you accept him as your Lord and Savior, you'll have eternal life. And that's the gospel message that we preach. But it's so much more than that. If you Look at the next slide. Isn't this our gospel message? Number one, that God is perfect and holy, just and loving. So we tell people that. But we all have to let them know also that we are all sinners and that who cannot be in the presence of a holy and just God. And then we continue that God in his love for us paid the price for our sins by sending Jesus to die on the cross. And finally, If we believe in Jesus, we can have eternal life with God. Now, all of these statements are true, and all of these statements are crucial to our faith. But a lot of times when we present these to people, we understand this message, right? But when they get it, they go, what? I don't get this. And, you know, especially the part of the fact that you guys are sinners and that you need to repent in order to... Um, receive Jesus Christ. How many of you like to be called a sinner? You know? But that was the way I was taught to share the gospel. You know? Do you know that you're a sinner? And, you know? And, and maybe that's why it didn't work out um, very well. But you know, it doesn't resonate with our current ideas of goodness. Because when you take a look at our generation now, when you take a look at, you know, what people look as sin... It's very different than how I grew up viewing sin. Where in this postmodern culture, uh, culture rather, the only real sins are murder. Okay, we don't want to take somebody's life. Bigotry and intolerance. All you have to do is look at the news. You know, read what's going on. Read what's getting people upset. And really, and what, what, what people are standing up for nowadays. And it's these things. And we should be, but, you know, it kind of reduces um, what sin really is. If all we think sin is murder, bigotry, and um, intolerance. And so, the tough thing is now that um, right and wrong is relative. 
You know, when I was growing up, there was definitely a right and definitely a wrong. And if you crossed that line, there was punishments. Like swearing was definitely wrong. And I found that out when my mom took a piece of soap, cut a little piece and put it in my mouth and put water in my mouth. And she said, wash your mouth out with soap. You know, back then, you've heard that saying, right? Well, they took it literally back then, you know. I mean, we were whacked. I mean, my dad had a paddle this long. And when we um, um, uh, stepped out of line, bam! You know, a friend of mine, uh, we went over his house and we did something wrong. And his dad comes in and he starts unbuckling his belt. Now, we know he wasn't going to do it because he wanted to drop his pants. He knew that that belt was going to come out and somebody was going to get hit with that belt. But you know what? That's the environment or the culture that I grew up in. That we kind of knew what was right and what was wrong. But not so in this generation where right and wrong really is relative. It's really up to um, each individual. But you know, I don't think people deep down today, I don't think people deep down inside really believe that they're a sinner. At least in the, in the point of needing for, for forgiveness. Because when I talk to people... They say that, you know what, I'm pretty good. And when we describe sin, how do we describe sin? Well, it's missing the mark. You know, you know that's what we thought, missing the mark of God's holiness. They go, well, okay, so I missed the mark. But I'm close. And then when you try to tell them, no, you're not close because you're miles and miles. God is so infinitely higher than that. You're just like, well, then who could accomplish that? And it's like, that's the whole purpose. But they don't get that. Because most people don't think that, that they're bad. And even if they do think, you know, they, they understand that, okay, I mess up from time to time, they know that they're not, or they definitely don't feel they're guilty enough to be separated from God forever. Or they don't deserve hell or punishment. And once again, it's, but I'm close enough. And this is the hard thing about sharing the gospel because most people nowadays think they're good enough. Is there a better way that we could communicate the gospel that, in, that has all of the parts that are important to it, but to communicate it in a way that they understand? Because if we look at salvation as uh, the, our entire gospel message, it's just the start. We're missing a large part of the gospel it's kind of like when I was fresh out of college and I became an executive. And then you go to these really fancy restaurants. And you go to these business dinners. And I remember my first one, I didn't really know how to act. It was like a totally new experience for me. And I see these guys walking around with these little things on plates, right? And they're appetizers. I had no, well, they call them hors d'oeuvres. I had no idea what an hors d'oeuvre was. But they looked good. And so I just asked them, can I have one? And they said, yeah, you can have one. And they, whoa, this is really good. Can I have another one? You can have all you want. They're free. I go, what? And so the whole hors d'oeuvre time, I was just following these guys. Oh, can I have another one? Oh, that's so good. And then I see something else coming out. Boom. I, I was supposed to be socializing. I wasn't socializing. I was just following these waiters that were bringing out all of this stuff. And then at the end, I go, oh, man, this was great. I love this. I got to go to more of these. I'm full. And then they said, okay, time for dinner. And I go, what? I thought that was dinner. 
you know, and then you see all of this great food that they pour out, and it's like, oh, man, I'm not even hungry. Oh, and then the desserts come out, and these desserts I've never seen with names I've never heard of. You know, and I, but the problem was I thought the appetizer, that was it, right? And so when it came to all of the dinner time and dessert, I couldn't even participate in that because I was so full, right? It's those full when you have to kind of adjust your belt type full. And, and so, but the, isn't that like it when we look at the gospel that way? If we look at the gospel as just, you know, salvation, which is a vital part of our, the gospel message, we're missing out. We're just talking about the appetizers and we're going after that. But there's so much more to the gospel than that. You know, Mark Twain says, the two most important days of your life are the day you are born and the day you find out why. You know, the gospel message is the why we were born. To live out the gospel message. But once again, if we just reduce the gospel message to salvation, it's like, okay, you know, I prayed the prayer, I'm good. You know, my family, they prayed the prayer. They're good. All the people I love, they prayed the prayer. They're good. But there's so much more to the gospel message than that. And so how do we communicate that? Well, there's this one guy, James Chong, who has this new way of communicating the gospel, which he calls it the big picture. And I want to show this video to you right now. It's a short clip, but why don't we take a look at that? It's a new way of looking at the gospel. There is sound. No sound? I guess I could narrate it. Okay, that's not going to work. How could we do this? Um, What? Okay, well, while they're waiting uh, for that, basically, um, you know what that first picture is saying, that, you know, everybody knows, if you ask them what they think of the world today and the things that are going on, um, you could say, well, you know, there was an earthquake in Japan this week. There was an earthquake in Ecuador. Um, We have ISIS going on. We have, you know, political um, <laughs> divisiveness that's going on in our parties. We have economic problems that, you know, the, you know, the entire world is having. There's slavery. There's violence. Um, you know, there is um, prejudice going on in this world. And so one of the things that they'd probably say 
is that, you know what? You know, it's not good. This world is not good. That they long for something better because something's wrong. And, and so when you think about this, you know, if you long, if you're hungry, that just means that you have a longing for food. And let's say if you're thirsty, that means that you have a longing for um, something to drink. But then once again, if you think there's really something wrong in this world today and that things could be better or, you know, why aren't things better? There's a longing that maybe at one period of time things were better or that things will get better. And that's a starting point is that, you know what, this world's messed up. But then we go back to the start. But I said, you know what, things weren't always like that. Where there was time when things were good. And this is when Adam, God created um, Adam and Eve. And they lived in a perfect relationship with each other. And they lived with a perfect relationship with God. Are we any closer? No. Okay, I'll just continue. Um, but what happened is they sinned. Now, the question is, when we say sin, and once again, remember, people think, well, you know, I'm not a sinner. So what is sin? We define it as missing the mark. But if you take a look at Adam and Eve, what was their sin? Did they call each other names? Did Adam abuse Eve? Did Adam steal something? No, what was their sin? Yet, Oh, it was disobedience. Exactly. They wanted to do things their own way and not God's way. But however, when you take a look at sin, sin started before Adam and Eve, right? It was Satan. And what was, you know, when we read scripture, what was Satan's um, downfall? He wanted to do things his own way, Right? And so really when you take a look at sin, sin is, you know, God, I don't want to do it your way. I want to do it my way. Okay, so that is at the heart of sin. It's not putting ourselves under the obedience of God, but trying to, just trying to, you know, do things our way. It's selfishness. And so when you take a look at sin and how that came into the world and why this world is so messed up, it's really because I want to do things my way. And I just care about me and if you could, you could really um, just look at all the problems in the world and reduce them to that one thing, it's really all about that, isn't it? That you know, countries just want what's best for them. People just want what's best for them. I want to do it my way. I don't want to do it God's way. And this is how this world became so messed up. However, God didn't want to leave this world this way. So he sent his son, Jesus Christ, into this world to redeem it. He sent his son in this world to die for each one of us so that we could be transformed to people who would want to redeem this world. That people that um, would not only have a relationship with him, but have the desire to live like him and live with his values to change the world. And so he sent us to be healers into this world. To heal relationships that we have with each other. To heal relationships or broken relationships that people have with God. And to heal and to redeem this planet. 
And so God has given us this whole picture. And Pastor Phil talked about what does God want to redeem? He wants to redeem everything. He just doesn't want to redeem people. He wants to redeem everything. So really, that's the big picture that each one of us have right now. That we are part of something larger than ourselves. That our goal isn't just about going over and saving a person. Say, okay, Caroline, you said the prayer. Okay, check off. Okay, I'll go to Weldon. Weldon, you said the prayer. Good, check off. And then going on. No, the goal is to let people know that they're living in the matrix. That there's more to life than what you're experiencing right now. That you will never find fulfillment. That you will never find purpose apart from a relationship with God. When this whole world believes that, you know what, I'm good the way I am. I'm happy. But deep down inside, they all know, like Neil uh, felt, like Morpheus told Neil, there's something wrong. You feel it. You may not be able to put a label on it, but you know something's wrong. There's a lot of people out there who don't know Jesus Christ. They know that something's not right. They know that something's wrong. And the reason they uh, know something's wrong is because God has placed eternity in our hearts. And what that means is that God has placed a part of himself in the human soul that only he and he alone could fill. Now, we try to fill those things, uh, that, that um, vague, uh, that what, uh, we try to fill that with a lot of different things. We try to fill it with, you know, material things. Um, we try to fill that with, you know, food, with um, whatever, relationships. Um, but only God could fulfill that, that yearning that he put in us. What's that? Don't the world is messed up. That's obvious. There's violence. War, okay, let's terrorism, see. Like he, he said it better than I do anyway. Global warming and so much more. What's interesting is how we feel about that. None of us think that these are great things. Most people long and ache for a better world. Isn't that interesting? Hunger seems to point to the fact that food exists, and thirst points to the fact that drink exists. So our longing and aching for a better world seems to point to the fact that either a better world did exist or will exist. Well, in the Christian worldview, we believe this better world did exist. Back in the day, God designed it so that the planet took care of us and we took care of it and each other. God took care of us and we blessed him back. The whole thing was designed for good. So how did we get here? Well, we decided that we wanted to be in charge and started chasing our own desires. We started damaging the planet and our relationships with each other. Ultimately, we damaged our relationship with God, and the whole thing was damaged by evil. What's great is that God actually loves the planet and us too much to leave us that way in our brokenness. In the Christian worldview 2,000 years ago, God came as Jesus. In that, he started to teach us a better way to live and began telling us about this thing called the reign of God, where all the good things that are supposed to happen actually do. Jesus taught us, and in his death, all of this died with him, so that three days later, when he came back to life, there was new life possible throughout everything, the planet, in us, and with each other. 
everything is being restored for better. What's our response? In this world that's still messed up, Jesus is starting a revolution. He's asking us to be healed ourselves in Jesus' name, to be healed in each other, and to go out and heal the planet together. Our mission is to be sent together to heal. Now, why can't we just jump from here to here? That sounds great. Well, the world's problems are infinite, and we are going to get overwhelmed trying to take care of this on our own. We need Jesus' resources so that we can become the kind of good that we want to see on the planet, and that's crucial. So where are you? Are you here where you think the world is peachy? Or here, overwhelmed by the world's problems? Or are you here? You've got some sense of God working in your life, but you're not involved in his mission. Or are you here trying to make this world a better place with your relationships and with everything else, but are having a hard time finding how God fits into the picture? Where are you? And that's the, uh, his form of how do we share the gospel, you know, with people. And see, this is why it's so important. And this is why when, you know, Heavenly Treasures, you know, when they went to Africa, they didn't just go there to um, evangelize. They went there to give people a better a way of life, right? They went there to build a well so they could have clean water. We need to care about those things, too. You know, the gospel is, once again, more than just us, you know, checking off a list of, okay, so-and-so saved, oh, so-and-so's not, I got to save them. You know, this is what family promise is all about. You know, it's trying to help, you know, homeless families, you know, live a better life. And, and by the way, Joel and Jessica, I was talking to the director, they're really close to finding sustainable housing. And they were the, one of the last families that we housed. But once again, it's to kind of heal people, heal this planet. It's so much more that we could be a part of. And that's where the journey is. That's where the excitement is, is when we step out and say, okay, God, how could I be a part of this plan to bring healing to this entire planet? Not just the people, but to redeem, you know, your creation, as well as to try to, um, give people a better, play, a better way of life, to have the kind of life that Adam and Eve had. Because there's no way that when God created Adam and Eve that he wanted to have a certain group of people to be the ones who haves and the have-nots. That was never a part of God's plan, right? So we can't say that we love Jesus Christ and not care about the poor, you know, we can't say we love Jesus Christ and watch people in Africa drink dirty and water that's filled with disease and bacteria and not care about that. You know, we, we can't say we love Jesus Christ and say, well, okay, yeah, there's these homeless families. It's just, gosh, too bad. You know, maybe if they made better choices in life, they would have been, a, they would have been better. No, we can't do that. That it's all part of of the gospel message, redeeming this whole world, people included, and the situations back to the way it was when the world was good. Let's pray.